he's been um, an apostolic advisor to the house, a father of the house. He'll tell you probably many stories. He's traveled the world probably 10 times around. More, man. And I want you to really honor him. Please welcome. Are you a doctor? I'm going to call you a doctor. Doctor of faith. He's not a doctor. All right, Larry Titus. Such a pleasure to be here today. It really, really is. I, have, I love this church. I love your leaders. I love the Wexlers before the Richies were, were leading. It is such a special place for me, a special, special time to be here. Really, I just love this church. You're a little wild, however. And as I was watching you worship, I was getting tired. I was thinking... I love the worship. Now, what was curious to me is that this last week, uh, I, my, my family, my daughter, my wife, and her kids, and, and Debbie and me, went to see the Elvis movie. And I thought, how could anybody judge church for being demonstrative? When you see the people in the Elvis concert, I thought, why would you ever think it is not right to be demonstrative when you worship God? That is crazy. But for somehow we've made that entertainment crazy, but everything has got to be sedate in the house of God. I love the worship in this church, and I love the expression that you give the worship. I love the fact that you can get your aerobics in while you watch and participate in the worship. The worship has always been great and continues. I love that. And the priority of the word is very, very special to me in this church. <clears throat> How you give the word such precedence and, and the word the honor because it is the voice of God, the voice of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Just a little bit of background. Uh, I will soon uh, be 80 years of age in August of this year. <clears throat> I was, I'm missing a book here. Is the lead different? It's called Lead Differently. Uh, excuse me, it's called um, uh, When Strong Personalities Live Together. Oh, here it is. I, it's under my Bible. When Leaders Live Together. I forgot what it's called. The reason I forget what it's called is because, number one, I only wrote half of it. My wife wrote the other half. So why should I remember? <laughs> and the other reason is, is because next printing, it will be changed to he says, she says. And it's already he says, she says in Portuguese and Spanish. So when leaders live together, anybody married to a strong personality? How many are afraid to raise your hand? <laughs> When leaders live together, how you can complement rather than compete. Understanding God made us the way we are. How many know it never works to try to change your spouse? In fact, it never works to change anybody, only yourself. So whenever you concentrate on what God wants to do in you, that takes care of just about everything. 
This book is called Lead Differently, The Leadership Principles of the Life of Jesus. Discover how leading like Jesus can work for you. That's $15. This is $20. Excuse me. This is home experience. Uh, this is a complete manual for how to bring peace and uh, love into your home. It is a complete curriculum for women. Men love the book as well. This should be men's favorite book because it tells you how to treat your husband. Some men need to buy that for your wife. <laughs> My wife is the husband's best friend. <laughs> um, Debbie and I, I started to say this is my 80th birthday. On November 12th, I invite you to Dallas, Texas, where God lives. <laughs> and you have to go to Jesus on his way back to Jerusalem. is going to stop in Dallas first, so just to let you know that. But in Dallas, Texas, where we live, our home, our family, our offices, our, uh, we're going to celebrate my 80th birthday on November 12th. This is a Saturday night the 30th anniversary of Kingdom Global Ministries, which you can go online under kingdomglobal.com and check out. We work in 35 different nations, and uh, we believe that God has called us to all 195 nations of the world because he said when the gospel is preached unto every nation, he will come back again. So uh, we're doing our best to do that. So we're not slowing down at all. My wife does have stage four cancer, but hasn't slowed her down except for COVID and we're working past that and getting back onto the road again. Um, so we uh, invite you this particular night. It's our 60th anniversary night and leaders globally will be coming in to Dallas at the Weston Hotel in the Galleria on November 12th. So you can go online, kingdomglobal.com and check out all the details. We would love to have you there. It will be full of leaders from all over the world that are doing a great job preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only gospel I know of. I don't know the gospel of social activity, and I don't know the gospel of, of all the problems of psychology. I only know Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I believe that that's the message that God has called us to preach. Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw the world to myself. We have two children, my daughter and her four children and her 12, great, uh, her 12 grandchildren all live near us in Dallas. So that means we are great-grandparents of 12. Uh, we've always been great-grandparents, but now we are great-grandparents. And my mother's wife will be 99 in a few weeks. So we have a great, great great, great grandmother, five living generations, all loving and serving Jesus. We don't have anybody in our family that is not actively serving Jesus. My wife and uh, my sons and his wife are both university professors in North Carolina. They're both physics professors and doctors, and they both teach and preach that God created all things. So there are scientists that believe in the Bible. <clears throat> well, I have changed my message for today about 10 times. And uh, I, I don't just preach sermons that I pull out of a hat or out of a file. I, I pray 
uh, for a long time before I deliver any message to try and make sure that I'm saying what God wants me to say. So the, the scripture that I'm going to be using, there are several, and I'm going to preface it with a story. How many have heard of the woman Catherine Kuhlman? How many ever heard of Catherine Kuhlman? Well, there was an amazing, I, I've heard her in person, then I listened to her on the radio for the years uh, in our early ministry. And uh, in my early marriage, Catherine Kuhlman would often come to uh, various places in Los Angeles or the Bay Area or Ohio or Seattle, Washington. And, and I really loved her. She was very exaggerated. She was like story lady, you know. She, and God, and the spirit of God. Everything was exaggerated, and I loved it. And she would make a statement that I, I loved so well. She said, God will not share his glory with another. God, I love that. So I was leading worship. I'm a musician and a worship leader as well. In our early ministry, we were involved in large choirs. And, and uh, so we happen to be living in the Bay Area of California. Uh, I'm from California. God has forgiven me, but I, both my wife and I are from California. Uh, you need deliverance after you've been in California. I can tell you that. <laughs> I'm just teasing, nearly. But I, was, I stood up before I led worship, and I made this statement. God will not share his glory with another. And it's as if the words came out of my mouth. By the way, that's quoted several times in the book of Isaiah, beginning chapter 42, but most um, often in chapter 48, verse 11. So my words came out, and they fell over the edge of the pulpit, and I heard the Holy Spirit say, you must not have read the New Testament. Now, if you will track down the sayings, whatever he gives it in Isaiah, he is not talking about people. He's talking about idols. I will not share my glory with idols. And every single reference to I will not share my glory with another is in reference to idols. And the reason why he's sharing this is because obviously the prohibition of idol worship in the beginning of the commandments of Exodus 20. But there's another reason he's sharing this. Why did God say to not worship idols? Are you aware of the reason? It's because idols don't look like him. That's the reason why God said don't worship idols. They were made by man, not made by God. So God is saying very clearly, you are not to worship idols because they don't look like me. I've been in 85 nations of the world, and I've seen a lot of idols. You go to India, and they have 100 million gods in India. You know what it's like telling people in India there's only one? 100 million gods, the most grotesque-looking images you've ever seen. Grotesque. If you've ever seen the Buddha idols or the Hindu idols or the idols from Africa or the idols from anywhere in the world, whoever made them, whether wood or clay or silver or gold or whatever they are, they invariably are grotesque. From history immemorial, from archaeology, they are grotesque. God says, don't worship an idol. You are the only thing made in my image. 
And whenever God said, you were made in my likeness, let us, plural, make man in our plural image. This is Genesis 1, 26 and 27. I, I look at you, and I think God did a really good job. I'm serious. And I don't like it. I don't like sarcastic humor, by the way, because there's always a victim. And everybody feels obligated to laugh at your sarcasm. <clears throat> but God doesn't laugh, and I don't laugh either. And I make it known that wasn't funny. The reason I don't laugh is because it diminishes God's creation invariably. Now, we come from the South where sarcasm is as natural as anything. We naturally got it from the Northeast that sarcasm is a way of, of life. Because our state's filled with northeast, northeast people. But to understand what God is saying, let no word come out of your mouth that does not edify somebody. Don't let one word come out of your mouth. Then in Matthew chapter number 12, verse number 36, he said, On judgment day, every worthless word you say will be brought up against you on judgment day. We say, oh, none of our sins will be. That's true. But the words that you say will be. Because those words never go empty anywhere. They don't die. Words literally will survive. Matthew 24, 35 will survive into eternity. So God says, let no unwholesome word come out of your word. The Greek word is sapros. Don't let any cancerous word, if it does not build somebody up, don't say it. Well, we have believers saying the most horrible things about other people. Now, I agree with the statement and the conviction of this church. I absolutely believe abortion put a curse on this nation that, thank God, somebody had the courage to stop. But I find it difficult to go to activism places unless I am assured that the side that I'm standing on speaks out of love. Because I have been on the Christian side that there was as much hate as there was on the unbeliever side. Something's wrong with this picture. Does not look like Jesus, the one who never would open his mouth, who never talked back, who never defended himself. When he was accused, didn't retort. Never argued or cried out in the streets, the Bible says. Never broke a bent reed. Never quenched out a smoldering wick. This is the one that brought us to a position where love is the only thing that identifies a believer. If they have love, then you will know that they are my disciples. And love must be expressed in words as well as actions as well as spirit, as well as feeling, because love can permeate an atmosphere before the person ever says a word. It is the love of God that draws people, not the judgment of the anger or the condemnation or the shouting epithets across the lines. The love. So the Lord spoke to me on that day as a young man before I was married, so that would have been in 63. 
and brought me to the New Testament in the prayer of Jesus. And in the prayer of Jesus, Jesus reveals in chapter 17, verse 5. By the way, this is the only prayer <coughs> recorded of Jesus because the Lord's prayer isn't Jesus' prayer. It's a prayer that Jesus said for you, not for him. Because he asked for forgiveness of sins and Jesus didn't have any. So the Lord's prayer is really your prayer that is given to you by Jesus. But his prayer is found in the high priestly prayer of John 17, the longest prayer recorded in the New Testament. So Jesus gives us his, these words that he is speaking, and I don't know how John would have captured this had he not been in close proximity, and the Bible does say that Peter, James, and John moved closer to where Jesus was in the Gethsemane prayer. And whenever Jesus began to pray, he said, Father, oh, could it be that he was also thinking back when he said the words in John 12, verse number 28, Father, reveal your glory. And the Father spoke for the third time. He said, I have been glorified, and I will glorify myself again. Catch that word, glorify. Catch that word. It means to make something glorious. Kabod or doxa, doxadzo, means to fill something with glory. And glory has two major definitions. The one definition is the actual presence of God that is so heavy, so thick, it is described in Second Chronicles 5 as a cloud that came down and they could no longer minister. They say, well, where do you have proof the people were slain in the spirit? Well, that would be one, where hundreds of the musicians and the priests were literally slain in the spirit at the same time. I'm not sure they got up so quick, however, because there was the glory of the Lord so palpable you could nearly touch it as the glory in response to Solomon's prayer filled the temple. That's one aspect of glory. The other aspect of glory is to honor. That's the second aspect. So Jesus is praying, Father, be honored. He said, I am and I will be. Now we come to the prayer, John 17, where Jesus said, Father, and this reveals something. Father, verse 5, the glory that I had with you from before the world was ever created. Father, would you glorify me again? You don't hear the Father speaking in response to that prayer. But something happens in verse 22. Jesus said, Father, the glory you gave me, I gave to them. I'm going to quote you a few more scriptures, beginning in Romans 8, 28. All things, everybody knows the scripture, all things work together for good for those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. The next verse says, for those that God foreknew, he predestined, meaning predesigned, to be conformed to the image of his son. And those that he predesigned, he chose, and those that he chose, he justified, verse 30, and those that he justified, he glorified. See how inaccurate my comment was? You will not share your glory with another, and the Holy Spirit had to interrupt my conversation and say, hmm, you must not have read the New Testament, have you? 
Because in the New Testament, the glory that God the Father gave to Jesus, Jesus gave to you so that he could bring honor to his children with the effulgence, the beauty, the identity, the radiance, the power, the presence, the honor that he had with the Father, he gave to you. So my question is, how are you doing passing that on to others? How are you doing passing that on to your children? How are you doing passing that on to the people you meet? Well, what about unbelievers? Well, I believe that Jesus in me is big enough to begin to radiate until even unbelievers are going to be transformed in the presence of the Jesus that emanates out of us. You don't have to say a word. Even the shadow of Peter, they were healed. Meaning Peter walks by. He may not have even known. People were falling all over the place, John G. Lake. And this was from a friend of mine whose dad was there in South Africa when John G. Lake, the, the evangelist, the missionary from Spokane, Washington to South Africa, wasn't even a believer, wasn't a believer, was a valet at a hotel, at a Hilton Hotel in South Africa. John G. Lake is registering his name to check into the hotel, and people are falling out all over the place. People are getting saved. Demons are coming out of people, screaming. And this valet, the father of the friend of mine who lives in Dallas, is born again as he's checking in. A sermon has not yet been preached. They don't even know who the person is. Same thing with Charles Finney. People would fall out into the aisles as he walked down the aisle of the train. Simply because the power of the Holy Spirit in you, there is an effulgence. There is something coming from you. There is something coming from the you that emits from you that is the power of the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine now what Jesus did when he said, Father, give them the glory? So these 11 fishermen, four of them, uh, four of them are other fishermen that never caught a fish while Jesus was with them. And all of the other miserable nondescripts, they call them uneducated men because they were from Galilee, which means probably none of them knew the Hebrew language. The only one that was successful was Judas because he came from Judea and was the only one educated. The other 11 were who drugged these in here? How many know that God doesn't use great people? He uses foolish people, and that's why we qualified. How many were messes before Jesus got a hold of you? So God chooses to use the nondescript to teach wisdom to those that don't have it and knowledge to those that don't have it and to reveal the glory of God. God has called you to be glory emitters. He has glorified you, so you pass it on. If you're uh, knowledgeable about the geography of Israel, I've only been, I don't know, maybe 15 times in Israel, but the trips have been very extensive, like archaeological type of expeditions and, and things or tour groups that I've taken and led myself. But when you go up to the north, up into the Lebanon area, where you come to the headwaters of the Jordan River, and then it comes down and goes through Caesarea Philippi and Pontius, or Banias, as they call it, named after the god Pan, and it comes down into the Galilee. 
fills the Galilee, fresh, 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 bubbling water into the Galilee, into the Jordan Rift Valley, goes down. As soon as it hits the Dead Sea, everything dies. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea, and you know why. There's no outlet. It's the same thing for the glory. If you don't pass it on, it will die. Whenever God glorifies you and you don't share it, when God glorifies you and you don't pass on the radiance, when you don't pass on the blessing, when you don't bless, pass on the honor to others, watch what your mouth says. Do not allow your mouth to dishonor people, whether you agree or disagree. Don't allow your mouth to dishonor because it doesn't look like Jesus. So Jesus went to the absolute lowest of the earth and made the nobodies somebodies because he passed on the glory. So he glorifies Peter. And the one who spent most of his time with his foot in his mouth and only changed feet long enough to put another foot in his mouth became the one that preached and 3,000 were saved on his first sermon. Jesus knows how to honor people. Jesus knows how to bless people. Jesus knows how to glorify people. So the question is, have we learned how to glorify people, beginning with your own children? Beginning with your own spouse, have you learned how to edify and encourage and pass honor so your children see you as the man honoring their mother? That will leave the biggest impression that they will ever have. And then to see the wife not undercut or undermine the husband, but to honor their dad and the husband. And to honor your children, not calling them stupid or dumb, but you're incredible, you're awesome, you're anointed of God. The Spirit of the Lord is on you. Because if God calls your children great, which he did through Gabriel, starting with John the Baptist to Zechariah, your son is going to be great. And the Gabriel then announces to Mary, your son is going to be great. We ought to echo heaven with our children. Your son is going to be great. Your daughter is going to be great. Don't curse him with your words. Glorify them. So Hebrews 10, 2.10 says, in bringing many sons into glory. For some reason, God the Father was not satisfied with one son, so he opened an adoption agency. God had only one son and no more. There's only one begotten. There's only one genosis. There's only one son that is a genesis of God the Father and is Jesus Christ. There, there has never been an addition to that. So everybody else, including Jews, have been adopted. But God has given to us a spirit of adoption whereby we can say, Abba, Father, where we can begin to glorify from the very heart of our Abba, Father, our Daddy, God. We can begin to glorify our sons in bringing many sons into glory. It's not enough to just have kids. It's not enough to have kids. Glorify them. Honor them. You're exceptional. Son, you're incredible. When my son was 12 years of age, I took him and sat him in the midst of three doctors because I remember that's the story of Jesus in Luke chapter number 2. So I took him and sat him in the midst of three doctors, and I said to the doctors, I said, one was medical, the other two were physicists. I said, uh, I'm just going to leave the room. I want you 
to be able to ask my son any questions you would like, and I would like him to ask you any questions. Sound okay? Okay, I'm leaving the room. I'll come back in a half hour. Because I knew if my son could be in the presence of greatness, he was destined to become great. I laid the foundation for his greatness. A couple years ago, he said, Dad, I'm flying in. Uh, he said, I'll stay with you and Mom for a couple of days, then I got to go on to Houston. He never told us why he's going on to Houston, but he was chosen as four, one of the four most influential scientists, physicists in America by the National Physics Society. I glorify you, son. I glorify you, daughter. There's hardly a day goes by my daughter doesn't lead somebody to the Lord, and she's got to be a counselor for excellence. Unbelievable. She has saved more marriages than most churches that I know of in all of their counseling departments. Unbelievably gifted, unbelievably anointed. She has taught, every, she has taught more than 10,000 teenagers face-to-face -face in abstinence classes in both Texas and in Pennsylvania. Glorify your children. Glorify your grandchildren. Glorify your great-grandchildren. Glorify other people's children. Take nondescripts and make somebody's out of them. Watch the words that you say because it not only makes, creates your world, it creates the world of people that you're around. Thank you, Jesus. Well, that's actually the essence of my message. I have a friend. He's one of my spiritual sons. I have hundreds of spiritual sons that I glorify all the time. So, oh, Larry, that is just, you're just... You're just trying to, to make them aggrandize them. No, I'm trying to let them know who they are in Jesus. Because virtually everybody I've ever met has no understanding how important they are in the eyes of God. As your Father, your God loves you and is going to bless you and is going to glorify you because you're his child. That's all, not because of anything you've done, but because your child, he's going to say, okay, the same Jesus said, the works my father gave me to do, I give you to do, and greater things than these you're going to do. So my uh, spiritual son's name is Kenneth. He lives um, in Massachusetts. Very, very strong-willed daughter. How many know strong-willed kids will make great leaders? Don't despise it. Channel it. But you must channel it. You must channel it. So um, his daughter, eight years old. He was just, she was pressing, 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 pressing the dad. Finally, he got so mad, he said, Hannah, you make me so proud of you. You're going to be a great entrepreneur. She took that glorification, began to research how to make bath salts under the bath products and began stirring up the, the uh, things that were going to be processed in the family kitchen, designed the things to market it, took it to the places that would sell it, 
She has made hundreds of thousands of daughter, uh, dollars. She's now 12 years of age. Hundreds of thousands of dollars was written up at the Boston Globe, was, written, uh, was uh, put on Boston television, also on national television, on this young girl that has given tens of thousands of dollars to the Childhood Diabetes Foundation, as well as filled up her own savings account with tens of thousands, into the hundreds of thousands of dollars, because she had a dad who glorified her. I'm just telling you people, one word can change a person's life forever because that turns into a prophetic word. How many know that when your word agrees with heaven's word, it becomes prophetic? Are you aware of that? When your word agrees with God's word, if you agree with the devil, you have destroyed, nullified, the creative words of God. God always has creative words. He never destroys. God has creative words. So I'll give you this uh, chapter in closing here. This, uh, I don't know who comes for the worship team, but if you could just come up and get ready to close out our service today. Uh, in John's Gospel... Jesus said, chapter 5, verse 31, if I bear witness of myself, my witness is invalid. Now think of that scripture. How often we as Christians have tried to promote ourselves. And God says, if you promote yourself, I won't. But if you let me promote you, you don't need to. Whenever you promote God, he promotes you invariably. But Jesus said, if I bear witness of myself, it invalidates it. But the Father bears witness of it. The Father bears witness of me. The Word bears witness of me. The works bear witness of me. And John the Baptist. Out of that circle of four, one of those is a human being. On this earth, flesh and blood. that was necessary to validate the Son of God. And on the Judean hillsides of John, declares it whenever he saw Jesus, and he identifies him twice, twice this way. He says, behold, the Lamb of God. If God needs somebody on earth, which he always does, not because he has to, but because he's chosen to, is to partner with us in extending his kingdom on this earth, that's why he gave you his authority, he gave you his name, he gave you his power, he gave you his Holy Spirit to do on earth what is already done in heaven. You could be that John the Baptist to others. You could be that John the Baptist. There's something about you that is very special, Chris. And actually it started before you were ever born. It started from eternity started from eternity because God didn't think of you at the very last minute. Ephesians 1 and 4 and 5, Galatians 1, 15, Jeremiah 1, 5, Psalm 139, 16, all the days that were known and numbered for you, I already finished this before you were ever born. And the anointing that he has on your life 
didn't come from you, didn't come from man, didn't come from somebody's altruism. It came from the Holy Spirit of God and the mind of God. I glorify you today. I honor you today. I honor your precious wife. So, so precious. So much Holy Spirit. Such a compliment as well as your own anointing. I want to honor this church. Las Vegas and Henderson need you. Nevada needs you. The United States needs you. Watch the Holy Spirit kiss this place. And people come by the multitudes to see Jesus, not to see you. I honor you. I glorify you. And I glorify you individually that wherever you go, the glory of the Lord will flow through you. And you would become that John the Baptist identifying people. I'm so sad that Elvis Presley wasn't identified as the teenager in the choir. When they told him he didn't qualify, his voice wasn't good enough. So the devil glorified him because he started off in church. I'm so sad the devil has glorified so many people because the church just saw us as someone from Nazareth. Your life to be an expression of Jesus Christ must learn how to glorify people. I glorify you. <laughs> now, when you get to heaven, there will be a line of people behind you as far as the eye can see that are there because of you. I glorify you. I glorify you. You're not insignificant. You're a child of the Most High God. Seated in heavenly places. Drummer, I glorify you. I glorify you. God sees your humility, and he sees your love. He sees your dedication and a heart that is contrite. I will not despise, God says. I glorify you, and I glorify your children and your grandchildren. I glorify them. If God made Daniel and the Hebrew children ten times better, wouldn't he also want to make your children ten times better? Parents, your children don't belong to the devil. They belong to God. Learn to glorify them. Don't curse them. Don't say things that devalue. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Holy Spirit, as you fill this place right now, take this word, let it germinate. Because every one of you influences somebody at all times. At least 11 people per day are going to be influenced by your life. Glorify them, whether they're born again or not. Whether they're a clerk at the store, you walk up and tell them how great they look today. How special they are today. 
doesn't matter what it is because you will be giving the seed of life from Jesus. And the Holy Spirit will take that seed and germinate it. <laughs> Would you stand, please? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. I want to do something right now. I, I like to pray. God, as Jesus called this place a house of prayer for all nations. And by the way, that's one thing I love about the church, the diversity of races. I pray that we look like heaven. Every race, every tribe, every kindred. I would like you to do something. I'm going to pray up here, and if you're kind of shy about praying, and I'll pray loud enough, you won't be shy. You can just pray as loud as you want. I want you to pray for your children. And if you don't have children, pray for somebody else's. And I want you to glorify them and prophesy over them in the name of Jesus. Their anointing, their greatness, the anointing of God that is on their life. Call them out by name and glorify them. Jesus, right now, we pray for the children of this church. We pray for the grandchildren of this church. We pray, Lord God, the Spirit of the Lord would be upon the youth and a great anointing come upon the youth of this church and the couples in this church and the children that are in the womb that are going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from their mother's womb. I pray for the greatness of the Holy Spirit to flow through them. God, to make these children ten times better than the children of the world to make them ten times better than the children of the world, not for sake of pride, not for sake of braggadocious, but for the sake of releasing the calling of God. We bless our children. We say their names out loud. We speak unto them prophetically. They will be great in the name of Jesus. My children do not belong to the devil. They belong to Jesus Christ. My children belong to Jesus. I give my children to Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. I would like you to turn to somebody next to you and speak prophetically over them. Pray over somebody near you. Pray over them that the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, glorify them. Let the glory leave you. Let the glory leave you. Flow through them. Anoint them in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, just speak prophetically in Jesus' name. We release your glory. We pray the prayer of Jesus in John 17. Be glorified. Be glorified. Be glorified. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you. We praise you, Jesus. We worship and adore you. We worship and adore you. We worship and adore you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 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 You're worthy, you're worthy, you're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. You're worthy, Jesus. I pray for the singers and the musicians, God. I pray prophetically 
Bring them into your courts of praise, God. Release their greatness, their talent, their anointing, their spirit. I pray for the singers and musicians. Fill this platform. Fill this church with people that know how to glorify God and glorify each other. Let your glory be revealed in this house, God. Let your glory be revealed. Pray for a great youth move in this place, God. I pray for a great move in the couples. A great move, Lord God, of the young adults. A great move in the children, God. That our children would prophesy. That our children would have an encounter with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We bless this people. We bless them in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Exalted, exalted, exalted is your name, Lord Jesus. Exalted is your name, Lord Jesus. I think we need to give praise to Jesus for hearing our prayer because the answer's on the way. We pray according to his will, and according to his will, he answers the prayer. Amen? Praise God. Thank the Holy Spirit. He's going to be moving through you to release glory on people. Through you to release anointing on people. Let's give Jesus a praise hand of applause.